0: Welcome to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, a show dedicated to podcast advertising. If you're a podcaster or an advertiser, and you're wondering how you can take advantage of this rapidly growing space, you're in the right place. On the program, we'll discuss strategies and techniques to optimize your experience with podcast advertising. Hello, and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood. And today on the show, I have Fatima Zaidi of Quill Podcasting. So Fatima has been in this space for quite some time, and she's been doing some really amazing things with her company. And so I wanted to bring her on the show today to talk a bit about branded podcasts. Welcome to the show. Thank you
1: so much for having me, Heather. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So just to get us started, um, tell us a little bit about your background within the podcast space.
1: Yeah, so I ran an agency for many years, and um, one of the biggest trends that I started noticing is this sort of gravitation towards Content that felt a little bit more personalized, reaching more of a millennial target audience and really, you know, reaching that global audience. And, you know, back in 2014, before podcasting was a household name, I became a consumer through Sarah Koenig's show, which is Serial, and, you know, I I realize that there's a whole other medium of content that we are probably not paying attention to. I mean, on-demand radio was a big thing, but really there was no concept of pre-recording content to reach people who gravitate towards more of that audio consumption so I eventually decided to productize our services, and um, that is really how Quill was born. Uh, back when I launched Quill, we weren't really sure if podcasting was a fad or if it was here to stay. The growth in the industry was really exponential, but I truly now believe that you know, back in the 1980s, uh, you had a phone number for your business, and then it was a website, and then in the two thousand, it was social media, and I think in the next five to 10 years, everyone is either going to have a podcast or be advertising on one.
0: I totally agree. I couldn't agree more with your, your sentiments around podcasting. And it's been so fascinating to watch it grow. Now, it sounds like you were in the content space and podcasting really attracted your eye. What about podcasting was really appealing to you?
1: Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I love the idea that anyone can podcast. You literally just need a phone or an internet connection and the ability to create content. And so it is a very, I would say, accessible format of content. But I would say that the thing that I love most about podcasting is it's truly a medium that's not available to most advertisers. You can be you know, driving to work and listening to a podcast, but you can't be watching a Netflix show. You can be washing dishes and listening to a podcast, but not reading an article. And so that is probably the main reason why 95% of people who start a podcast end up listening to the entire episode and show. And being actively engaged in another activity increases engagement rather than hurts engagement. And so there really is no other content like that. I mean, a a 30-minute Video Only has about a 12% completion rate. So it, to me, it's, it's again, like it's everybody consumes content in different ways. Some people prefer reading, some people prefer watching. I think it's, it's been proven through a lot of stats that millennial professionals who are busy, uh, really enjoy podcasts because it fits in really well with our schedules
0: hmm Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm curious, you, you mentioned that the podcast listening actually increases the, the memorability while you're doing something else, as opposed to like watching a video. I know I've heard that before, but I'm curious to kind of dig in deeper. So does the research actually prove that because you're doing something else, you're actually more tuned into what you're listening to?
1: Yep, absolutely. It's um, you know, it takes away the monotonous, mundane chores from our day that we're doing. And so you're actively engaged in this podcast while doing, you know, your day-to-day things on your chore list. And actually it was um a study done by BBC that I would highly recommend that everyone tune into because that study really talked about the impact that it can have on a, on brand quality. And actually, it was the 2021 Edison report where they talk about how 93% of podcast audiences listen to all or most of each episode. Um, and in the same study, they talk about how video content that's 30 minutes or longer only has a 12% completion rate. And they really like break down why it really increases your engagement rather than decreases it. And then let's not even forget about the impact that it has on your brand. I mean, I, I think it, that BBC report I was just talking about mentioned something around an 89% lift in awareness, 57% lift in brand consideration and purchasing intent increasing by 14%, which, you know, for brands, that those are astronomical numbers. By just creating podcasting or or content in the form of audio to reach like a whole other audience, uh, which is typically in this case, you know, educated, affluent millennial professionals that account for almost 75% of the workforce. It's not YouTube, which is typically a younger audience, or TikTok, which is Gen Z, or social media, which can typically be an older demographic. You're reaching like a very ripe audience.
0: And would you say those statistics are true for both a branded podcast where the actual podcast is uh, presented by the company and or would you say, do those statistics apply to advertising as well?
1: Yeah, so I would say in terms of advertising, there definitely have been a lot of studies done on the impact that it can have on your brand's bottom line. But yes, a lot of those stats are true to both advertising as well as content consumption. We do a lot of internal studies on the audience growth side as well as the advertising side at Quill through through our client podcasts. We're exclusively um, an agency that work with branded podcasts and so with companies, and typically our our I would say demographic profile is enterprise Fortune 500 brands. So we've been able to sort of map out data trends over time. And and they're pretty consistent with a lot of the findings in that BBC report. Like it obviously isn't always apples to apples, but we've typically found pretty high conversion rates. Mm
0: -hmm. And in terms of looking at branded podcasts, what would you say is one of the biggest obstacles that companies have to actually getting into the branded podcast space?
1: I would say the biggest limitation is typically self-induced. Podcasting is a very new space. It's a very green space. And so a lot of the just getting to the finish line is such an education process for, for bigger brands who are you know so used to putting out content on blogs, maybe YouTube channels, um, social media. But people still don't necessarily really understand the power of podcasting. I think the brands that have started creating pop-branded shows really are early adopters and at the very beginning of a hype cycle, but a lot of brands still haven't really caught up to that trend. So the creation and justification of production budgets is usually the biggest obstacle. Creating a really good branded podcast is expensive and it takes time and resources. And oftentimes when you're you know pitching the idea and budget approvals are coming from CFOs who are very data-driven, so they want to know, like digital marketing for every dollar you're putting in, what does that translate into dollars coming back to us or impact on bottom line? And podcasting in the beginning at the very least can be very much like PR, which is an intangible service. We are a very data data and tech enabled agency. So everything that we do is to try to justify that ROI. Our goal and mission is really to bring in as many brands as we possibly can to the industry. So we're very focused on that ROI piece, but I would say really that is probably the biggest obstacle.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could totally say that simply because like you said, companies are so focused on that roi piece and it is something that's totally new i also think that it's so fascinating that really there still is only um, a minority percentage of the population that's actively listening to podcasts so if you're a decision maker and you don't personally listen to podcasts you might not see the value and so i could see that as as kind of being an obstacle to overcome as well you know when we look at branded podcasts for me one of the obstacles that I have always seen is what are they actually going to put in the show? Because my biggest concern is that a company is going to create a 30-minute infomercial and no one wants to listen to that, obviously. How do you create content with these brands that is really um, appealing and something that people want to listen to and not just a big commercial?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I never recommend... Creating a podcast purely for sales purposes, typically it can have a really big impact on sales and lead generation, but... The goal of creating a podcast is to tell your brand story and really position yourself as a thought leader and subject matter expert. And really, first and foremost, the priority should be to educate and inform and entertain your audience. First things first, it's really narrowing down who you're creating your content for. It's better to be something to someone rather than everything to everyone. The more niche, the better. Funnily enough, one of the podcasts we create for a large bank in North America is is extremely focused on open banking content. And they have a huge following because it's such a niche topic. Hmm. And and when we launched the show, I was like, who's going to tune into open (laughs) banking content? And funnily enough, they're like one of the most successful shows because they really differentiated themselves in the competitive matrix rather than being like a general finance podcaster or, or something like broad. They really, you know, narrowed in on their unique selling proposition. And Similarly, like one of the, the exercises that we always start with is that competitive matrix and positioning document. How are you going to be different from everything that's on the market? What market are you going to serve? And just how are you really going to be different? Like my, my sort of impetus or mantra is you either need, you need to fall into one of three categories. You either need to be the first, you need to be the best, or you need to be different. Which bucket are you feeling when you're creating a show? And then really the rest of the credit goes to our team of journalists and creative content folks who are responsible for creating that story arc and putting in the research and really creating that user journey that informs how people are going to respond to your show. It's definitely not easy. Like Creating a good show takes a lot of work and resources and time. and, And this is why I always say podcasting is a marathon, not a sprint.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And your team works with the companies to actually develop all the content because like you mentioned, podcasting is a big kind of maybe unknown thing for a lot of these companies that you're talking to and, and, and working with. So if you went to them and said, Hey, start a podcast, they would really not have anywhere to start. So yeah. you're walking them through this process. How involved is your company in helping them create the concepts? Do they do you help them create the concepts? Concepts most of the time, or do they bring um, mm-hmm. the the concepts to you?
1: Yeah, so we actually take care of everything. We are a full service production agency end to end. So we are responsible for creating all the content, concepts, structures developing pretty much everything from ideation all the way to audience growth, marketing the show and making sure it's getting the PR publicity awards and recognition that it deserves. And so our clients can be as involved as they'd like. We do have clients that come to us and say, we want to create a podcast, but we don't have any bandwidth to do so. And, And in that particular case, we are completely full service and then you know we also have clients who want to be a little bit more c- uh, collaborative in the concepting process and and typically that usually works best because they are the subject matter experts but when you're working with brands we really have to be mindful that the team's time can be limited and and bandwidth can definitely be stretched so we do have you know teams of production experts and journalists and producers who are responsible from everything from ideation all the way to the end. Mm-hmm.
0: So you brought up audience growth. And for me, that's a really important piece of the pie. I find a lot, of, especially smaller businesses, might start podcasts that nobody listens to. And growing an audience for that content is just as important as creating good content. I mean, you could have a terrific podcast, but if nobody's listening Mm -hmm. to the show, it's not really going to be helpful. How do you go about helping your clients cultivate that audience?
1: Yeah. So this is the thing, like creating a good show is 50% of the scope. The other half is actually marketing it. And it actually is quite shocking to me how many people forget about that piece. Like they think that they're going to create a podcast and magically the listeners are going to come, but it's like, running your business. There's like an entire scope of work involved that requires audience growth that oftentimes a lot of brands and podcasters don't think about. This is the reason why even though there's 2.5 million podcasts out there, only 18% of them are active, which means that they are recurringly and regularly producing new episodes. That gap is huge. 2.5 million podcasts with only 18% being active means that podcasters will enthusiastically launch with a really great idea. And then after creating the content, get really frustrated with the lack of growth that they're seeing overnight and want instant gratification. I think that that is one of the things that I like, couldn't stress more is that you really need to focus on the marketing and audience growth piece. And there's so many different tactics. Like, Of course, there's organic promotion through social media, blog posts, but, but that doesn't really translate to podcast downloads. Like it, It's definitely great from a likes, engagement, getting the word out. But really, I would say a lot of the pay tactics are, and advertising networks and the work that they're doing is really what's going to get you the KPIs that you should be measuring, which is like downloads, unique listeners, retention, average consumption rate, and finding your qualified audience.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was so happy when I was researching your company because... I really find it is very common for people to produce podcasts and not market them. And I agree with you 100% producing a good show is very important. If you produce a crappy show, no, one's going to listen to it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't tell anybody that it exists, you're not going to just attract an audience. There are obviously instances where people create podcasts and they do grow quickly and organically. But my suspicion is that most branded podcasts would have a harder job of growing an audience than, let's say, a true crime podcast or something that is more maybe sensationalized. Would you say that that's the case?
1: Definitely. True crime and anything that's really scripted in an investigative journalist series-type format, which we're finding even through our shows That typically resonates a little bit more with audiences and it generally is easier to take off. But I would say typically outside of the true crime bucket, a lot of it is just like the way that you're marketing yourself and if you're also willing to stick it out. So I wouldn't say that the formula is to always create a narrative investigative series. Type show. Like, I think if your mission is to really educate and inform people, then an interview style podcast or a roundtable or even a solo commentary can be great. But even within those different formats, there are things that everyone should be doing, like advertising on the listening platforms and making sure that they're applying to Apple's placement form and making sure that they're maximizing their distribution on all the directories and applying to all of the PR podcast awards. There's so many tactics out there that are overlooked right now that are, are very ROI focused. So for every dollar that you put in an ad spend, you know exactly what is coming back to you in terms of our return, which typically I would say most people use downloads and unique listeners as a metric.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you can share this with us, but what would you say is the number one best tactic for audience growth?
1: It really depends on the type of show the audience you're trying to reach. And I would say the format as well matters a lot, but there's a couple that I can share that I really would recommend that people try. Spotify ad studio is a really great one because you can get very granular with your targeting. Firstly, they have lower budgets. So like 250 US dollars is the minimum budget, which isn't an insignificant amount of money. But a lot of the advertising networks typically have sometimes ten dollars to $20,000 spend, which isn't feasible for like early stage content creators and indie podcasters. For a brand, no problem. But I'm trying to speak to, you know, all of the podcasters out there who may have shoestring budgets. That's why I love Spotify Ad Studio. It's very accessible no matter who you are.
0: And have you seen good results with that? Because I've had some other folks tell me that they haven't really gotten Mm -hmm. a lot out of that. But when I heard about it, I was like, man, this seems like a no-brainer. Why not? I mean, to me, like 250 bucks, you might as well, you know, at least try Mm -hmm. and see what kind of traction you can get. But you've seen traction with... with, We um, definitely have.
1: Yeah, we definitely have. We've been on it from the early days. We work very closely with the product team to, like, inform feedback and, and provide our take on what works and what doesn't. And they've definitely been very iterative over time. The cool thing about Spotify Ad Studio is that you can target based on location, right down to postal code, age as well as what other shows are people listening to in Mm. Spotify. That's why I really like Spotify Ad Studio. People who are just looking for mass downloads rather than trying to qualify their audience won't like Spotify Ad Studio because it is competitive and it's harder to get those conversions. I, I would challenge them by saying, well, are you looking for mass downloads or are you looking for the right audience? members? Mm -hmm. Are you looking Mm -hmm. for your idealist or profile? If the answer is the latter, which is usually the case with most brands that we work with, they care less about the mass downloads and more about reaching their target audience, then Spotify is great because no other platform allows you to get that granular with targeting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Um,
0: And then, yeah, your second, what's your second suggestion?
1: Yeah. So, you know, Apple Podcasts, unfortunately, hasn't allowed advertising on their platform, which would be so great because there's (laughs) such a monopoly of listeners. But unfortunately, Apple is like definitely a very clumsy industry that way. But Podcast Addict is the Android version of Apple Podcasts. If you're on a Samsung or an Android phone, typically the app that people use is Podcast Addict and they're great. They have different budgets. Typically they start at 250, but then they can go all the way up to 2000. They allow you to advertise based on your category or genre. So if you're a society and lifestyle, true crime, comedy, business, they'll slot you in based on your RSS feed. Why I really like Podcast Addict is because it tells you the impressions. It tells you how many people clicked on the ad. My favorite thing is it tells you exactly how many people subscribed. Mm. So you get very exact metrics. And then if you go onto your hosting platform under technology, you can see how many, typically how many, you can do a little bit of guesstimation to see how many people came in through that particular campaign. And they run for an entire month. So if you Purchase the ad slot for, say, November 1st. It'll run all the way to the end of the month. So through your hosting platform technology stats, you can actually see how many people came through. And I'll give you the exact number of subscribers on Podcast Addict. You know, if you're looking for a little bit of a combination of the right audience versus mass, Podcast Addict doesn't allow you to tweak. So like Spotify it doesn't allow you to target based on age, at least not yet, but it does allow you to reach a lot of people.
0: Mhm mhm. Great. I have
1: had a lot of people say that Castbox
0: has has provided good audience growth. Have you had success with that player?
1: Yep. Castbox mm-hmm. is great. They have a, a really great distribution network. They're expensive. Like a US mm-hmm. campaign is 6000 US dollars for only a week of advertising so again great for brands they also have long wait times in terms of queues like you have to sometimes wait months to get a us slot or depends on they prioritize local creators so if you're in uk they'll prioritize a slot for you then but still you're sometimes often waiting upwards of a few months to get those slots they do have a great distribution list player fm and overcast are another like two platforms that i also recommend that people look into
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i definitely have heard have heard good success with those as well So I'm curious, looking at kind of what your predictions are for the growth trajectory of the industry, what do you, I know you mentioned that, and I have to say, I feel like this is the first time I've heard somebody say this, which of course I love hearing since I'm in the podcast industry, but you know, that, like you said, people had a a website, they now, they were on social media. Now everybody is going to have a podcast, but what is your prediction for where
1: the podcast
0: industry is headed?
1: Hmm. So... I'm going to answer your question with a question that I get asked all the time, which is, is the industry saturated? And I'm like here to really debunk that myth because there's 2.5 million podcasts of which 18% of them are active. So like, let me do the math. Let's just say there's half a million podcasts that are active in the ether. There's 1.5 billion websites. There's 600 plus million blogs. There's 30 to 40 plus million YouTube channels with 500 hours of content being uploaded every minute. And then we look at podcasts. We're very early in the hype cycle. We're in its infancy. And so it feels like there's a lot of shows because, you know, we're constantly hearing about the explosive growth in the industry and everybody wants to launch a podcast now. But only 18% of those people are staking it out and creating new production budgets and creating recurring episodes. So actually, I don't think it's a saturated space. Just like, you know, if you were on Twitter in 2007, one of the first people and you stuck stuck with it, by default, you're an influencer today. And I feel like that about podcasting. If you're a podcaster today and you stick with it, you're going to be an influencer in the next five to 10 years. That's just my take on it take it with a grain of salt. I'm in the industry. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I mean, data, the data and the stats out there are definitely backing what I've been saying for the last couple of years. And it, it's only growing like faster and faster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think I love that you quoted the stat of 600 million blogs, because I love to make the comparison between podcasts and blogs. And the reality is, is that there are 600 million blogs out there there. It's ridiculous in my opinion to say like our podcast saturated, cause we're far from that. And really I do believe we are just really on in the infancy and just really on the cusp of, of the growth cycle with the podcast that you guys produce, how video heavy are they? Do you produce video to go along with your podcast or is it all audio?
1: We try to capture video content through Riverside, which is our recording software, Riverside Enterprise. The reason we try to capture video is because I think I mentioned at the beginning of this call, everybody consumes content in a different way. And every every audience is different based on the channel that you're promoting. And so audio typically is that millennial professional. YouTube is, you know, a younger audience. People who are on maybe social media are on not on on. Podcasts, or maybe not on TikTok or YouTube. And so we like to get diversity in content to repurpose it. So we take all of our audio and transcribe it and turn it into blog posts for SEO purposes. So for accessibility, if you can't tune into audio, you can read the content. And I feel the same way about video. Like you should be, um, at least as a brand, you know, taking that video footage and putting it on YouTube as a YouTube channel, which it sounds like you're doing, which is great because you're reaching a different audience. And similarly, also taking that video content and repurposing it for social media purposes. So like little bite-sized clips, the way that audio and videograms work. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I am really interested to see what happens with YouTube in the next, you know, few years because I do believe that a lot of people are starting to listen to, I'm not starting, but they have been listening to podcasts through YouTube. And depending on the changes that YouTube makes, it's very possible that we might see a a huge spike in people actually, you know, listening to their podcasts on YouTube. Do you have any thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I do have some thoughts on that. I mean, I would say podcast audio it's pretty accessible. I'm not someone who consumes content on YouTube. So for me, it's just your typical, like my nephew consumes a lot of content on YouTube. He's 16. Mm -hmm. So again, it's like a very different sort of demographic that you're reaching, but like, why shouldn't you be repurposing all of the content rather than reinventing the wheel? Right.
0: Right. Right. Totally agree. Totally agree. So I'm curious, I know that you, you mentioned it in in a, a passing comment, but you have a technology portion of your company as well. And I'm curious, especially being a female founder in the podcast space that really is still very male dominated. Tell us a little bit about the tech that you've developed and maybe some of your experiences being a female and a founder in this space.
1: Yeah, so we actually built like a full service platform for our enterprise clients that we work with because we're just finding more and more that, Enterprise brands don't want a million different vendors. They don't want to have to go into Apple to find average consumption rate. They don't want to have to go into Spotify to find demographic information. They don't want to have to log into Trent to transcribe, then go to Chartable for smart links. And everything is just so fragmented in the industry. And so we've really built a platform that is sort of a, a consolidated version of a lot of the different tools and resources that we use to try to make things easier. It also includes benchmarking information so you can see how how you're performing compared to your competitors. It'll automatically transcribe your content for SEO purposes. And and just really the, the purpose of this platform is to make people's lives easier on the brand side and provide you with a lot of those additional metrics that you might be looking for. We actually haven't offered it publicly yet to anybody. We're going to start doing it likely closer to 2022. But we essentially built it for ourselves. We were our own case study. We were tired of waiting for something to come out that serviced what we were looking for and really serviced that enterprise market. And we decided to just build it ourselves. And we got all of our clients on there and it worked so well. And now we're, we're starting to realize, well, I think externally, a lot of people could benefit from this. So the product is called Co-Host. Think of it as your Your podcast co-host so someone who's there to support you throughout your podcasting journey and it'll go live in 2022. How
0: exciting and do you guys actually host um, the podcast as well or do you use outside hosting providers?
1: No we we've built all of the technology from the ground up we didn't want to integrate with anything because we wanted to own all of the data and Mm -hmm. typically when you host you you know get to own all of your your data Um, And collect as much data as possible. And so we we didn't want to integrate. There are a couple integrations that I'll talk about closer to the new year that we are partnering with industry folks. But for for now, everything is built Mm in-house.
0: And have you felt that you have faced any obstacles um, being a strong female founder in the space?
1: Of course. Yes, of course. There's always challenges. Being a female founder, being a BIPOC founder, there are definitely obstacles along the way as it pertains to raising capital. And I would say, especially within the podcasting industry, there is a lot of a big lack of diversity. When you look at all of the big players and and sort of the profile or demographics of, of these leaders, you know, a lot of times I think people have preconceived notions on what you should look like or sound like or the kind of experience that you should come from, or you get boxed into this other category where you're filling some sort of diversity quota, but I sort of wear it as a badge of honor. Like to me, everybody gets dealt with a certain level of cards and I think we're a proud female identifying team. We have some really great rock star male identifying folks on our team as well, but We've made a lot of advancements and innovation in the space and we're really big on profiling other female founders too because, you know, podcasting has a long way to go. It's not just about audience composition, which is also lacking diversity. It's about bringing together perspectives and shows that are, don't sound like all the shows that are created today, but also profiling and championing female-identifying founders within the industry who are you know, making a lot of advancements in ways. So we're constantly championing these folks because I think that their stories deserve to be told over and over again because they've been able to do something with a lot of challenges along the way.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I really respect what you're doing in this space. And especially with the tech piece of it, because You know, it is an amazing industry to be in and I have felt very welcomed and very much a part of the family being in the podcast space and I love kind of where we're at in terms of an an industry and how intimate we are and and how much we can work together to really make podcasting what it needs to be. But it is challenging when you are you know, faced with so many male colleagues and, and their approach to things can be different many times. So it's wonderful to see you as a strong female founder in this space. And I have just one more question for you before we wrap the call up. I had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday, and he said, Would a branded podcast be interested in having advertisers on it? And I thought that that was such a good question. And mm-hmm. I know that certainly there are some branded podcasts that do have ads on them, but I don't think that they traditionally have a lot of ads. What has your experience been with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really depends on. I would say the show and if their priority is monetization or not, it can sometimes work really well because I think there's sometimes this like misconstrued notion that if you are advertising, you're a really successful podcast, which isn't necessarily always the case because a lot of brands don't care about advertising or they want exclusive rights to advertise their own show, which makes sense. Like if you're creating a podcast as a company, you want to often exclusively advertise your own Services in a, in a more obviously less salesy and more tasteful way. You're telling your brand story, so I think it really depends on on the company and if their goal is monetization. We've definitely worked with brands who have advertised to monetize on their show. We've also worked with brands who have advertised not to monetize but to support complementary and industry partners. But. A lot of the times I would say, and this is probably more the the norm rather than the exception, brands don't really care about the advertising piece. They're advertising their own company by like virtue of telling their story and creating really good content.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's certainly what I've observed as well. I was curious what your perspective was. Well, Fatima, it was great to have you on the show. I really appreciate um, what you are doing in the industry and I appreciate your contribution here today. If people want to connect with you, where is a great place for them to do that?
1: Um, pretty accessible anywhere. Our website is coolpodcasting.com. Um, I'm on all of the social channels except for TikTok. Zda Fatima is my handle active user on LinkedIn as well. And yeah, I mean, if you want to reach me, I'm pretty much everywhere. So feel free to connect. I love chatting, podcasting all day, every day. And thank you so much, Heather, for for having me on your show.
0: Thanks for being here. And thank you for listening. I appreciate you tuning into the podcast advertising playbook. And if you would like to connect with us, please head on over to truenativemedia.com.
1: If you want to learn more about how to be a market leader in podcast advertising, reach out to us at truenativemedia.com.